We're back. Just like I said, we'd be back. This is For the Glory KC, live from Auckland, New Zealand. Oh, it's weird times. It's like 4.30 in the morning, you're all's time, but we're 17 hours in the future here. I'm Chad Smith, Associate Editor of the KC Soccer Journal, who's going to take you a bit more in-depth, and I'm joined by no one. Uh, Sheena is tired and asleep, and my daughter is fighting sleep off herself, so... We're just going to make things weird. Uh, on today's episode, uh, it, apologies in advance if it sounds weird. We're using a weird little mic as we travel around the world here to go see the Women's World Cup. But I'm going to cover the Sporting Kansas City game over Chivas, Casey Current's draw against the Chicago Red Stars, that aforementioned U.S. Women's National Team, they survive in advance, and of course, the digital crawl, y'all. So, We've been out of country for about a week right now, and we always start the episode with a little bit of nonsense, so I'll just do that as I fly solo here. Uh, we were in Fiji for a couple of days, and we've been in New Zealand. It's only the second time I've ever left the country in my entire life, so it's been a pretty cool, unique experience. Definitely something to remember. Uh, one thing I'll, I'll throw out to y'all, if you ever have the privilege of getting to come to New Zealand, there's so much amazing stuff that you can check out. But uh, check out, I'm going to probably pronounce it wrong, Tutukaka. It was like this little peninsula. It was like a five-minute hike from this parking lot. It was the most amazing views I've ever seen in my life. It was just surrounded by water on all sides. And these like amazing houses off in the distance. And I'm thinking, like, how rich are these people that are living on these mountains? But uh, it was incredible. Just really beautiful not even too strenuous with the harder hikes since we've been here honestly but that one was pretty incredible so shout out to sheena for finding and planning that but let's skip the nonsense since i have nobody to talk to and i'm just talking to you all today uh, let's get straight to sporting kansas city getting the job done against chivas advancing in the league's cup with a 1-0 victory uh, eric tommy ended up subbing in not subbing that's not the right word uh, he started over alan polito who was out suspended he actually got added an extra game suspension so not only did he miss this game but he's going to miss the next game against toluca uh, tommy played most of the game as a striker uh, vermise was pretty complimentary of him in the post-game press conference uh, saying that he thought he did an excellent job kind of played it as more of a false nine you know he's a midfielder by trade, so of course he wanted to drop into the midfield i saw some folks online kind of saying like hey tommy can do this job as good or better than Polito." I would disagree. I think that he, you know, he might get better over time if he got more minutes in that position, but he wasn't making those runs in behind. He would kind of cut back to the ball more than make those like diagonal or uh, runs past the defenders looking for a ball to come through to him. So again, I thought he was fine. He got the job done. It is what it is. It was kind of a, a fluid situation, too, because him and Gotti Kenda would switch at times, which makes sense because him and Kenda kind of play the same spot in the midfield when they play out there together. And he was getting a chance to um, – Kenda would play like center forward a little bit sometimes or that false nine spot a little bit sometimes. And, and then even on top of that, all the forwards were kind of rotating. Kyrie Shelton was in there. Shally was still dealing with a groin injury. He was on the bench. And Russell was playing the other forward spot. Even Felipe Gutierrez would kind of get up into attack at times. He was playing the other kind of number dual number eight midfield role. Uh, speaking of Shallowy, though, he did end up being on the bench, but coming into the game, two other names popped up on the bench for the first time in a long time. Tim Melia back and available and Willie Agata. Neither of them saw the field. I was kind of wondering if if uh, Chivas found a way to tie the game, if Melia would have been subbed in late to, to do PKs since 
no offense to Pools Camp, but I haven't been super impressed with him in PKs in with SKC two, or he had that chance against Cincinnati and he let in all four of them. I, you know, penalties are tough, and Milia obviously is historically one of the best to ever do it. So can't doubt on that. Uh, speaking of injuries, I thought it might be relevant if y'all hadn't heard. According to Daniel Sperry, the Kansas City Star, Nemanja Radoya is the only player, besides Courtney Ford, who's out for the season, who still wasn't in training on Sunday before the Chivas game on Monday. So that's kind of a good sign. That would presumably mean that Zussi was back in training, which makes sense. That's on the timeline that Vermees had recently given. Actually, I think I asked the question in one of the press conferences. I wonder if I did that one from overseas. I can't remember. I've been on a couple because <laughs> of the time zones. I'm actually more available now because I'm on vacation than when a, a regular day would go by. But uh, Sperry didn't mention Zussi being out, and he had mentioned him earlier in the week when he was missing. So presumably he's back and uh, working his way back to fitness as well. But back to the Sporting Chivas game. A uh, few things that I wanted to kind of highlight. Probably not going to make this the longest podcast ever since I have no one to talk to. I'm just talking to myself. But uh, Tim Leibold, in about the 15th minute or so, um, he was absolutely crushed in the uh, a box. And I thought, oh, this is for sure a penalty. And he was down for a long time. I don't know if he was just selling or if he was legitimately, he, he probably could have been hurt. It was a hard hit, although he did end up playing almost the entire game. He came out of Actually, no, he was almost going to come out at the very end of the game, but he never did. Logan and Denbe was all up and ready to go. Uh, he had gotten a kick in the face from Fontes late in the game. I'm laughing about it. That's terrible. Uh, but he did get patched up, and he stayed on the field. Regardless, back to the 15th or so minute. So he, gets, he sends a pass sideways in the box, and then he gets just crushed by a sliding Chivas player. And I'm like, oh, for sure. The VAR is going to go back and give this as a penalty. And then... I guess I shouldn't be shocked. It's CONCACAF refereeing, and I'm, I'm harsh on the referees at times, but they don't go back, and they don't give a penalty, and I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. And then what really got me is maybe like three or four minutes later, Eric Tommy came in late and tripped a Chivas player as he's passing the ball down to another person, and... They, you know, they played advantage for a moment as Chivas kept the ball, and then they come back and call a foul. They, they said, hey, this was a foul after Chivas ends up losing the ball moments later, which is kind of what happened to Sporting in the box in that same situation. And I was like, if it's a foul in the middle of the field, how is it not a foul in the box? I, I'm baffled. Uh, we didn't ask for Mies about it in the postgame pressure. I figured no point in bringing it up. They got the result that they needed, but it feels like the wrong call to me. Maybe I don't understand the rules. I don't know. <laughs> uh, a couple other things that stood out to me. If you missed it, go back to around the 25th minute or so. There is a beautiful give and go from Gotti Kenda and Johnny Russell. I thought for sure that Kenda was going to end up scoring. He goes to chip the keeper after he gets the ball back. And keeper does a great job getting a hand to it. And then the defender comes along and clears it You know, a couple yards from trickling into the goal uh, pretty remarkable stuff there and honestly sporting were just all over chivas and finally the breakthrough did come it was a another situation with Gotti kenda the ball was played back to kenda and no second touch needed he just took it first touch crossed it into the box eric tommy tried to do a bicycle kick and luckily he got a little bit of reflection i think i saw in the official scoring that he ended up getting credited with the assist as well uh, but then johnny russell jfr drilled the ball into the net 
And that was the game's only goal. Uh, honestly, I think Sporting could have scored several more times, and they played a little conservative at times, but they were in complete control of the game. Uh, actually, at the end of the first half, I think they had like 72% possession or something wild. I should look up stats before I, when I write down a rundown. I did not. Um, and the announcer said right before the half, I forget which announcer, and I apologize to him, but it said, quote, Chivas have only heard rumors of the ball, which cracked me up. I thought that was a really good line. <laughs> so uh, a few other kind of observations from the game. Uh, very pro Chivas crowd. I was reading the slack. I was kind of walking around New Zealand in the buildup to the game and my colleagues on the KC Soccer Journal, several of them were in the press box and said, wow, it's really heavy Chivas fandom there. And they were told by PR they expected it might be as bad as 80-20 in favor of Chivas. But Sporting's complete control of the game. And honestly, speaking of Toluca and going on to face Toluca, it reminded me of how they quieted that Toluca crowd with the way they controlled the ball back in 2019. More on that in a second. Uh, and they kind of kept Chivas under control. The Chivas didn't have a lot of good opportunities, and Sporting took advantage. They got the job done. I will say, I think the schedule makers, I've complained about it a lot this year. I think Sporting have gotten the short end of the stick a few times. I remember that St. Louis game <laughs> where they lose 4 nothing after playing in LA midweek, and I, I felt a little hard done by it. Well, Chivas probably should feel hard done by whoever made this schedule. They're they're on the road, as all the Liga MX teams are the whole time. They have to play on short rest after playing midweek in Cincinnati with a rain delay, so so long of a delay that they finish the game the next day and, and in front of no crowd. Like it was an empty closed door situation. And then they have to come back and travel to Kansas City a few days later and play again. They looked tired to me. They didn't look like they had their everything going the way they should. It's early in the, the season in the Mexican League, so they've only played a few games. They were, I think, first place in the entire thing, but they were eliminated. They were knocked out, and they lost both their games, lost to Sporting, lost to Cincy. Uh, they had a red card against Cincy as well. Cincy benefited from a couple of red cards in this competition. Uh, it was pointed out uh, by friend of the podcast, Zach Cobb, over on Twitter, that Sporting were a 96th-minute handball away from beating both the best team in MLS and the best team in Liga MX in this tournament, which would have been kind of wild. But they might get their chance. Cincinnati is in their, their section of the bracket, so if they both win their next couple of games, they'll play again. And by then, Polito would be back. So overall, though, Sporting played well. Uh, they possessed the ball really well. Huge, long stretches of possession at times. Just really crisp, clean passing. I think they could have been better in the box. They could have, you know, that last pass, that last shot. We talk about it all the time. Wasn't always there. And, but they didn't make any critical mistakes. Their defense has crushed them this year with mistakes. And that didn't happen. John Poolskamp was in net. He came up every time he was asked to do anything. He dealt with stuff. The defense dealt with everything. There's something to be said for being able to hold a clean sheet and get yourself a shutout, and they got that done. So as I mentioned, they'll go on. They're going to play Toluca. That game is actually coming up here really shortly, depending on when you listen to this podcast. It'll be Friday, August 4th. It's at 8 p.m., so it could have been later. It could have been 9 again. And the uh, Toluca, they got their way into the round of 32 by winning both their group stage games over Nashville and Colorado. Uh, they scored eight goals over those two games, four to three over Nashville, 
four to one over Colorado. I actually went back and checked out the Nashville game, and Nashville were were down four to two, and were kind of making a comeback. They scored, felt like they were maybe building towards another goal, and then poor Teal Bunbury, former Sporting KC man Teal Bunbury, got this weird second yellow card for descent and got sent off, and they just absolutely killed their momentum. And you know, being down a man, it's hard to hard to score a goal. Uh, and another kind of weird thing from that game, I will admit, I did watch the Colorado game. I saw it was four to one, and I was like, well, that, that feels about right. Um, but the Toluca keeper in the Nashville game, he takes their penalty kicks. So he took a penalty kick. He took it really well. He scored it. Uh, he scored against Nashville um, when there was a kind of a weird handball in the box. Honestly, I, it was like on the line. It was, I guess, technically the correct call, but it almost felt like the Toluca player pushed the Nashville player into the handball, like the way he bodied him into it. So a little weird. If you're if you're a big League MX fan, you of course know Toluca. If you're not, you still may know them because, as I was mentioning before, they played Sporting KC back in 2019 in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, you'll remember 2019 as a great start to the year for Sporting. They looked really good in Champions League. They beat Toluca 5-0 on aggregate. 2-0 in Mexico, 3-0 in KC, and they just completely dominated those games to the point where the Toluca crowd was like doing olays for Sporting as they were passing and keeping the ball away from Toluca. Um, That Toluca team and this Toluca team seemed to be miles apart. Sporting, of course, go on to collapse after beating Toluca in 2019. They got crushed by Monterey. It was like 10-2 on aggregate, something like that. And then uh, had an abysmal season full of injuries and just a nightmare of a year. But Toluca, eight goals, two games. I don't know that Sporting can pull this off again, especially with Alan Polito suspended and not available. Tommy was fine, but it's just not the same. Polito would make the world a difference, and it's it's really a shame that they're not going to have him. And that uh, you may or may not have heard they tried to appeal that suspension, that extra game that he was given, and that appeal was rejected. So those are kind of my thoughts on the Sporting KC game. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more for the glory KC. All right, and I am back. Oh, it feels weird to not say we. It's so weird doing a podcast alone, just like talking to yourself. I don't know, whatever. You guys will have to let me know how it played out. I'd love to hear from y'all. All right, so Casey Current, they played the Chicago Red Stars, and they battled to a ugly 0-0 draw. It was really a shame, honestly, because they had a chance to take the lead in the central division. Um, Their racing Louisville had faltered and left the door open there. They could have been, I think it would have put them actually level on points. So they wouldn't have been in the lead because racing Louisville had beat them earlier in the competition, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, On this game, the good news is Lola Bonta and Alex Loera both returned to the starting lineup. So it's good to see those ladies back in action. And you could tell that they made the team better because in the first half, The current looked pretty dang good. They didn't (laughs) score any goals, but they looked pretty good. Their biggest chance came when Lowe had a penalty kick. And unfortunately, the keeper got a hand to it and pushed it off the crossbar. And that was really the only chance of the game. 
no, that's not right. The the best chance of the game would be the way to put it. I won't lie. Uh, I was watching this on tape delay tape no one uses tape i was watching the recording because if you don't watch them live on paramount plus you got to wait until after midnight uh, central time i've noticed to be able to watch the games but after midnight central time was like not i don't even know time's so weird here we're 17 hours ahead of y'all whatever that came out to be and i was so tired though we've been hiking and climbing up mountains and all kinds of crazy stuff and the game was so boring in the second half, I won't lie, I kept dozing off. I kept rewinding and trying to watch again, and then I was struggling. So it didn't feel like there were any chances in the second half. I went and looked up our friends over at American Soccer Analysis. They do this thing called G+, it's game flow. And if you look at the flow, there are little, just the tiniest little ticks first the current in the second half, basically meaning they, they weren't doing anything, which... Kind of made sense. Loera and Labanta both had to sub off because they're coming back from injury, so they're not ready to go 90 minutes. The team became kind of disjointed when they put in younger, less experienced players and couldn't get the job done. So, as I mentioned, they're going to play Racing Louisville in the last game of the Challenge Cup group stage, and this is going to be a big one. If they win, they win the group. Simple as that. They'll advance. They'll be one of four teams to go on and go into the semifinals of the Challenge Cup. If they don't win, ooh, it gets a little sketchy. They are in pretty good position to be the best second-place team, but a draw could doom them. There are other teams that could could jump up and take over that best second-place spot, and then they would just be hanging out, right? The, the, the Challenge Cup would be over. Their NWSL season is almost over. They basically need to be perfect down the stretch. They have all these new players. They've added all these new defenders that are over in the World Cup and advancing and, and continuing to go on. But it really, really, like, I'm putting everything on the Challenge Cup. If they can win the Challenge Cup, I think that probably saves a little bit of the season. They've been so beat up and so they've missed so many players from injury that maybe you give them a pass, right? They, Desi Scott's yet to play. Hannah Glass, who they signed, is yet to play. They've lost so many players for huge stretches. Uh, you know that um, Vanessa DiBernardo and Morgan Cattro, they missed a ton of the beginning of the season. Now they're both still out with concussion symptoms. They weren't in practice the other day. Um, Claire Lavage has missed the whole season. She's going to be coming back. She's actually back in practice per my colleague, Fad Bell, with the KC Soccer Journal. And then, of course, no Sam Mewis. They're just, oh, it's been so tough. So many missing players. So I'm putting a lot of weight on the Challenge Cup. Need to take care of business this weekend against Racing Louisville. It's a home game. They are, I think they're 0-3 against Racing Louisville this year, both league games. And then they've also lost the prior Challenge Cup game. So they've had their number. It's not going to be an easy task, but hopefully it's one that they can get done. All right. And then my last main topic here. The whole reason that I'm recording a podcast alone halfway around the world, Sheena's like, you're crazy. People will be fine if you don't do the podcast. But the OCD, it won't let me stop, y'all. I feel compelled to continue to make a podcast. If I'm going to do something, I'm going all in on it, even if it is the world's shortest episode, because it's hard to have a little, little trick here, a little secret, is when Sheena talks, 
I'm listening, of course. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to take in what she's saying so I can be a good conversationalist. But it also triggers things in my mind that reminds me of what I want to talk about. And because I'm just sitting here alone, <laughs> it's not really happening. Uh, so anyways, we're around the world because of the World Cup. And it's been a really cool experience being overseas. And I've never been to a World Cup game in my life until yesterday. And we got to go to the U.S. women playing Portugal and it was it was really fun. There was a lot of U.S. fans there, a lot of people kind of marching into the stadium together. We took the train over there from our hotel, like the train station, like really close to our hotel, and rode it in. It was a madhouse getting back on the train to get back out. It was just like everybody trying to get on the train. But I, I'll, it'll be something I'll, I think I'll remember forever. We were sitting what would essentially be the Blue Crew or the Cauldron. We're right behind the goal there. Uh, we were near the American Outlaws, just like one section over from kind of a decent American Outlaws contingency. But what, what was kind of really odd was the crowd pretty quickly turned on the U.S. as they were struggling and were getting behind Portugal. Uh, odd's probably not the right word. I've watched a lot of World Cup games, and the the neutral fans do tend to support the underdog. And, of course, the U.S. are not the underdog. They're number one ranked team in the world. Although, gosh, they don't look like it, do they? Uh, Thailand, they beat 3 nothing, but I think the Dutch were up like 4 nothing on Thailand within the first 20, 25 minutes, something like that. So, uh, Thailand, that's not even the right country. Oh, my gosh. Vietnam, y'all. Let's just blame this on uh, the pure exhaustion of travel. <laughs> Vietnam. My apologies. I'm mixing up my, my Asian nations here. So, Let's talk about this game. The team struggled again. Uh, they were a goalpost away from being eliminated from the World Cup in the group stage. Uh, I saw my colleague Jimmy Mack said MVP most valuable post, which I thought pretty darn good line. Um, <laughs> the the team, I, they just look so disjointed. And it, it really bums me out because I want Vlatko Andonovsky to succeed there's a bias, right? He used to be the coach of FC Kansas City, the former women NWSL team in KC, two-time NWSL champion FC Kansas City. Um, he, you know, he went to Park University. He like lives in Kansas City. Like I want Vlatko to be successful, but man, I don't know if he's just he's ha he's got a lot of stars, right? And then he loses Mallory Swanson, formerly Mallory Pugh, and. Since that happened, they just don't seem that great. Now, they, they lost three in a row at one point last year, building up towards the World Cup. And I I don't know. Tactically, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a genius. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what he should do differently. But it just looks like he's waiting for a moment of brilliance from players. And there was some near misses on some of that. But they're, it's not happening. They're not pulling it together. And if that's the plan... They are going to go out earlier than they've ever gone out, ever. I saw a stat that they've never got, not gotten at least third or better at the World Cup, which is crazy. Like, I mean, there's not been that many Women's World Cups, but still, that's insane. They're obviously the most wins ever in the World Cup. They have back-to-back -back titles, and it just really doesn't feel like it's going to work out. I did see Jimmy Conrad saying he needs a drink, but think of it this way. They've only allowed one goal across three games, and... You know they're 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 being stout defensively, even if they're not looking amazing offensively. They don't look like they're going to score a lot of goals. Um, a few other kind of things that stood out to me from the game. Actually, these are some stats I pulled from 
uh, Kansas City resident, Paul Carr. You may follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow. He said five points are the fewest ever for the United States in a group stage at a World Cup. Five points, so a win and two draws. They didn't lose. Hey, they're undefeated. <laughs> uh, this is the second time ever that they've only that they've been the runner-up and have not won their group. The last time was 2011, which you may remember they did not win the World Cup in 2011. Um, four goals is the fewest they've ever had in the group stage, and they got three of those in one game. Couldn't score against Portugal. I don't know. Like, I don't know if um, they have a pretty good coach in um, Neto. And I heard Hugh Williams talking about how Neto is going to be a coach in the NWSL probably before too long because he's he's a rising star. So that'll be something to end up following to see if he shows up stateside. But this is pretty bleak, right? Ugh. Things are not working. I will say a um, little glimmer, Lynn Williams, former. Casey current forward, well, barely. She played in preseason. She she looked good. She looked good. She had some moments. She had some mistakes, of course, right? This, but she got her first start ever in the World Cup. This is her first World Cup appearance. She had that flick header that was like kind of close-ish. She had a few runs that were pretty close. Nobody played particularly good, but I thought Lynn showed some promise out there. I just think Vlatko needs to go to his bench more. It's remarkable to me that you have probably one of, if not the most talented team in the world, even though there's a ton of them with low experience, and you're not taking advantage of it. You're not getting them into the game. The subs against Portugal are so weird. Emily Sonnet, were they going to three in the back? I couldn't really tell. You know, of course, I'm I'm sitting in the stands, and you don't get the commentary and to, to hear that side of things. But... Yes, I guess technically you just needed to draw to advance, but it, I don't know. It's its not working. You're playing Julie Ertz at center back because you lost Becky Sauerbrunn and you need her veteran presence back there. She had a couple turnovers. It's like she's forgetting she's playing center back versus defensive midfielder, and her turnovers are even more critical now. She was so good as a D-mid uh, in the last World Cup, and then obviously you know, she's missed a lot of time with, with having a child and just kind of working her way back to form. but. I'd like to see her further up the field. Uh, Rose Lavelle is now suspended for the next game. That's a big blow. I would assume Savannah DeMello will go back to being the starter. DeMello looked pretty darn good in the game against Vietnam. And uh, I, I feel kind of bad. Some of these other girls haven't even gotten onto the field yet that are making their, their debuts. They might not get onto the field. So right now it looks like the U.S. Women national, women's national team are going to end up playing Sweden. It's not a guarantee, but they're in great position to win their group. And you will probably recall uh, Sweden eliminated the U.S. from the last two Olympics. So, yikes, that's a scary game, and it's possible that they're going to have the worst result that they've ever had in a World Cup. But who knows? Maybe they got the the jitters and the nerves and the, the, the survive in advance, grinding things out situation out of the way. And they're going to start to pull it together. And they're going to get the job done. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see very soon. So let's go crawling, y'all. Digital crawl time here. I just got a couple quick things. I actually hit most of these already. Uh, Sporting KC, that appeal from Alan Polito failed. So if they do advance past Toluca, uh, they will have Polito back. He's just going to miss the Toluca game. So they would face the winner of the Columbus Crew and Minnesota United game. I think that will be a road game. 
it seems like the home and away seating has been based on the 2022 MLS standings, which y'all will remember, Sporting KC were terrible. One team that's not terrible right now, how's that for a transition? SKC2, they won 4 nothing over the weekend over the Colorado Rapids 2. Huge shout out to Mike Kunos following your tweets and the team's tweets to figure out what was going on because uh, that was happening in a time where I wasn't able to sit and watch the game. But Ozzy Cisneros, Danny Flores, Steven DeFrifa, and Chris Rindov all started for the twos from the first team. And then Felipe Hernandez came in the game off the bench. There were goals by Sebastian Cruz. Uh, Vargas kind of had like this half volley, half bicycle kick move. It was pretty sweet. Uh, Mekadesh and then Hernandez. Uh, two assists from Ethan Bryant. The Colorado Rapids, too, were in first place in the West. So this is a big win to win 4 nothing. So Benny's got the boys playing really well, and it's fun getting to watch them, even if I didn't get to watch this game. I'm glad that they uh, they got the win. And speaking of SKC2, former SKC2 player Enoch Mushagalusa, ooh, what a fun name, uh, he, he had left the team, and he was over with Louisville, but now he's going on loan to the San Diego Loyal. So if you're in San Diego or you just want to watch some two-team games, uh, or I'm sorry, this would be the USL Championship, but not, not MLS Next Pro, uh, you can check out Enoch over there, see how he's doing. Uh, let's talk about the schedule that's coming up. We'll get you all out of here with the shortest for the Glory KC podcast in the history of podcasts. Um, the upcoming schedule here, Sporting KC play next. They play Toluca on Friday, August the 4th at 8 p.m. Central Time. Hey, could have been later. The U.S. women's national team don't have a set opponent, but it'll probably be Sweden. That'll be Sunday, August 6th at 5 a.m. So set those alarms early. Get up, check out the U.S. probably played in Sweden. Fingers crossed. Let's hope they get their act together. SKC2 will be on the road at the Houston Dynamo 2, Sunday, August 6th at 6 p.m. So take a little nap in between the games. And then the KC Current are back at home against Racing Louisville, as mentioned, Sunday, August 6th at 7 p.m. And that's going to be at Children's Mercy Park. If you've made it this far, uh, wow. I say that every episode, and usually I go, oh my gosh, because the episode is so long, if you made it this far. This is just a weird one. It's it's weird not having someone to talk to. I would have tried to get a host, but uh, again, it's like 5 in the morning central time as I'm recording right now. So I don't know that anybody would have hosted with me, and uh, Sheena will be back soon. We'll be back in the States in like six days, seven days, something like that. Yeah, anyways. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends to listen to us too. Join in with the conversation with us on social media. You can do so at For the Glory KC on Instagram, Threads, Facebook, Twitter. You can email us for the glory at gmail.com. We want you to go subscribe to the podcast. Search for the glory KC wherever you get those. Follow me on Twitter at PlayFor90. And here he is, Christian Leo, to play us out with Riot Like You Mean It. Take care, everybody.